welcome to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm very excited about it. I had a great conversation with Pastor Zach Archer, who resides in Germany. And we're going to talk about politics. Um, So yeah, very controversial, but you're going to be super blessed by this. We're going to, we're talking about how you can be free and how you can prosper in a toxic political culture. I do want to mention one more thing before we start. Uh, We did have a little bit of a a bad connection, so it is a little bit spotty here and there. uh, And I was a little bit sick. So my voice is kind of struggling with that a little bit. So, but other than that, it, it's the content is amazing. Uh, there's so it's filled with so many spiritual truths that'll set you free. Listen and enjoy. Welcome to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening today. I have a special guest, a good friend of mine. He's a pastor in Germany. I spoke with him a while back, and he gave in his testimony. Uh, today, we're going to talk about politics. Uh, when I did this in the very first episode of the podcast, I mentioned that the primary reason for this podcast was not politics, but politics are a part of life, and they're a part of our life as a believer. So we're just going to talk about how to sort that out and get that kind of right in our heart today and get the right perspective. So how you doing, Zach? Hey, I'm doing really great. Thanks, Jamie, for, for having me on. Cool. Fascinating and- subject. Yeah, and you're in Germany. You celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday in Germany, which is cool. Yeah, that's right. Um, you said you had some turkey, you had stuffing. What about like candied yams? We had we had some some sweet potato casserole. We okay, had you know okay. the pumpkin pies, the the apple pies, everything that you could imagine for Thanksgiving. I uh, oh, yeah. I love the green bean casserole. That that reminded oh, me yeah. of being back back stateside. I didn't have the casserole, but I did have green beans. So, but um, did I did have stuffing? So I, I I told you I told Zach earlier I ate a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> you know, my my wife is an international kind of like Zach's. So I just was like, you know, it's just going to be easier to like go pay and just eat the food, and nobody has to cook anything, and it was good. And she can shop in the store, you know, right? They have all kinds of little things you can shop in there and buy. So that's cool. All right. Well, let's kind of, I guess, kind of switch this in to, to politics. Uh, I did try to think, of, I was kind of thinking about trying to find some jokes because it's, you know, politics is such a a toxic thing right now. I think especially in the U.S. I don't know about in Germany, but in the U.S. it's very toxic. I think you have to limit your time consuming things uh even if it's your own perspective or trying to figure these things out but what we want to talk about as a believer you know what's the right perspective or how how we should sell this issue in our heart um in relation to our relationship with god and the body and the world okay and i've talked to zach a few times about this i felt i felt like he has a very unique perspective it's not necessarily i mean it's a biblical perspective is really what it is but he has an experience where he lived in the u.s 
and then you moved to Europe and now you're, you know, serving in Europe as a pastor. So just go ahead and tell me, you know, how, what that experience and how that's kind of changed. What are some things the Lord has shown, shown you? Well, I mean, first of all, I would, I would say that I, I, you know, I'm American. I ra- I'm raised, uh, I'm born, bred in America. Love, love America. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up listening to talk radio, you know, all about American exceptionalism, how awesome we are, how we're the most blessed nation on God's green earth. Um, we, you know, I was, I was ex- definitely raised, you know, on, on, you know, war movies, World War II movies, all these different things that I, that I absorbed and, and really I treasure my heritage, you know, going through and seeing our constitution, how uh, truly wonderful our constitution is. Um, it's a very powerful document and uh, many of the, the founders and many of the ideas that came into this constitution that, that separates us um, from, from a lot of places in the world come from biblical foundation. So I'm very clear with that. And, and I see that. Um, but being in the United States and then moving to Germany, I had, I had an encounter really with God coming here um, and being, you know, planted in another culture, another nation among many traditions. Um, Germany is not just, it's not just Germany here. It's a very mm-hmm. multicultural. You have Turkish, you have Syrians, you have all kinds of people that are here. And uh, when I came here, I really came to understand something that's really important for many people, for actually any everybody. Um, and it was it was the revelation out of out of Genesis chapter twelve, is when the Lord came to Abram and said to him, "Go from your country, go from your your kindred, your your family, and go from your father's house, and and to a land." you know, to your inheritance that I'll show you. And I was like, wow, there, there's things in my life where I really, when I have faith in God and I relate to him, there's, there's, there's a plenty of my origin, my cultural ways. And, uh, and not just that, my father, all these things, he'll call you out of those things because he actually has an inheritance for you, a land for you to personally possess that's greater that's that's above and um and as he goes on to talk to abram it's amazing he promises that he'll make him great make him really significant he will be blessed so made happy and be a blessing and so i i've experienced that in the last six years of being here being abroad um just some of those things some of those ideas of coming out of the the mentality of of country mentality of even my family upbringing and those things and it's been it's been amazing um, how that how that's that's worked in me. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, oh, we were talking about earlier. What about um, your identity? Okay, in relation mm-hmm. to to politics, uh, tell me more. Tell me more about that. So, I believe when. When you become born again, when you're born born again, you're we see in the scripture you're baptized into uh, one family, one body, the body mm-hmm. of Messiah, the body of Christ, and the body of Christ. Uh, when you read, you know, look in in Ephesians, what Paul is talking about in Ephesians two, that the the we are no longer aliens and strangers and sojourners, 
but we're now a part of the commonwealth of Israel, the family of God. And in Romans 11, you also see we've been grafted in to Israel, the spiritual Israel, which is a family full of saints that follow King Jesus mm-hmm. and, and belong to him. And he calls us out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, purchases us and makes us a kingdom of priests unto our God. So the identity of, of seeing myself as primarily an American or a German or, or whatever nationality that you were, you were born into or what, you know, what you have on your passport, if that's your top identity as a born again believer, then we're missing a very important uh, spiritual fact that those who are in Christ have been conveyed into a kingdom that is above, that is higher, that is more notable than an earthly kingdom. And it's a kingdom that will endure to last forever. I mean, yeah. we can we can just we can look at biblical history. We can look at history, and you know, I mean, there have been many countries like um, like England that have been around for a thousand years, and they may be around for another who knows another thousand years. I mean, the, I'm, I'm not sure what the longest you know country in in history is, but. Even when, if you look at England, there's been so many changes over the thousands of years. Uh, and the point is this, that they never stay the same. You know what I'm saying? They, they always, they change. And, but God's kingdom, it, it's enduring and it's not, it's not going to change. And, and it takes, it takes a, a, a heart of repentance to, to once you are a part of the kingdom of God and Jesus is your king. He is your leader. He is the executive authority in your life. There, there has to be a uh, coming out of the kingdoms of this world and coming out of the, the pride that's associated with those things. I mean, when I'm talking about American exceptionalism and I'm talking about how great America is and all of these things, there's many things to be very proud about, but when you come over to another country, another nation, another culture, and your focus is to push your national cultural uh, ideals on everybody, as opposed to leading the people in that national context to Jesus and to adopt his cultural values, mm-hmm. his kingdom, his covenant, um, which which is really, you know, the 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 moral and and spiritual law of of the universal eternal kingdom that God has established, um, then you know we're missing the mark. So I've I've really seen a change in my life of not looking at those things and 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 focusing on those things because I really believe that political spirit and perspective actually keeps people from entering the kingdom of God. God, yeah. um, as opposed to to uh, uh, coming into the kingdom of God. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, a question that many have had is even in our own politics, especially with Donald Trump, you know, is Donald Trump really good for the church or is he a liability as far as reputation? And, th- and this is really a hard one to, to do because you know, there is no, there's not a perfect political system. I mean, we really, you're really voting for the, the candidates that are available. 
it's too it's usually two bad candidates and you're kind of voting for the one that's less bad you know donald trump you know of course if you listen to any conservative or any christian who voted for him in any way whether they liked him or not it's like we like his policies but we don't really like his kind of the way he does things his character we don't like his tweets you know on one hand it's really hard because he was attacked by the media a lot probably more than most presidents and it really becomes like this i think a lot of believers end up just really wrestling or they they just begin like they're all in for trump and they can't make that separation and i guess what it comes down to i mean i guess two words i would say is really it's just priority and and passion i mean we're we're called i think we're called first as the body as believers to expand or you know uh, go out into the world as jesus said and make disciples of the nations so that we're, we're bringing the kingdom of god that's our to every trump every tribe tongue, you know tongue nation wherever that is wherever that's the culture we live in whether we go to another culture and we have to make adjustments in that culture to reach those people <clears throat> i think this should be or you know our number one you know priority this should be our number one passion there is you know jesus said you know be aware of the leaven of the the pharisees and the sadducees who did use their they actually used their religious position to um gain political power and they used that political power in conjunction with rome and they actually used that to to have jesus crucified so i think i think it is a a dangerous place that we we need to think we need to think about and we need, to, we need to pray about this. We need to get in the word and we need to sort this thing out. We need to have the right heart towards God. Yeah, so make, what do you think about that? Does that make sense? I mean, with, with, uh, I mean, everybody wants to make everything great again. I mean, I think that's a great noble thing, but, uh, that Donald <laughs> Trump and his, <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great slogan. What say whatever you want. You it know? is. Uh, it's a great slogan. God raises up Kings and he tears them down. And these presidents that are elected and people who are put in office, they are such they're put in they're put in by the lord and whether they're good whether they're bad whether they're ugly <laughs> whether they're great i don't know that's what he's doing if we look at our system it's a two-party system you got two choices you know of parties two 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 choices in that um by republican republican means and a believer has to just look at, okay, my, my first loyalty is not to a president or to a nation, but my first loyalty is to King Jesus and his commandments, his testimony. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. that's the case, then you're going to find people that support those values uh, of the kingdom of heaven. And then those are going to be implemented as laws and as checks and as balances within the system. And I'm really, really thankful for, you know, for Trump putting the right judges in, for example, to overturn Roe v. Wade. I mean, I was just, I mean, I prayed since 2005, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, for the ending of abortion and to see, to see the outworking of that, that is, um, that is, that is the church operating in first Timothy two, praying for their leaders, asking for wisdom, praying for presidents, kings, and those who are in life and all godliness. And now people uh, 
more people are going to be discouraged in committing, you know, genocide in the womb. And that's really great. That's a great win. Uh, but where did that start? That didn't start because we had such amazing uh, hope and trust in our politicians that we found mm-hmm. some kind of amazing uh, figure that, that is going to provide for us everything that we need. It's that we trusted as a body, as saints of the most high, we trusted in him and he, uh, he listened and in the right timing, in the right situation, he brought uh, justice um, you know, on behalf of the prayers of the saints. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, and people prayed for years, people fasted for years uh, and it was just, you know, and this all happened under, you know, Joe Biden, actually, it's, I think that I find that somewhat ironic, you know, that God is saying, you know, it doesn't really matter who the president <laughs> is. I can, I can do what I want. You know, and it says in, you know, it says in Psalms 146, it says, you know, don't put your confidence in powerful people for there's no help for you there. It says when they breathe their last breath, they return to the earth and all their plans uh, will, will die. So I think I think that we're kind of saying the same thing. So we don't want to put our trust, our confidence, our loyalty first to any type of, you know, or either our nation, you know, or poli- a political leader or a political party. I will I will say this is one thing I feel like I've kind of, of realized that I do think is a little bit of a weakness in the American system. And I think sometimes we do have the two-party system and I do think the founders were very smart and coming up with the the three branches of governments and the balance of power. So I think that I think that works. But when we you know when we think about freedom, okay, and people being free, you know, the scripture says that when a righteous person rules, the people are at peace, and when there are wicked rulers, people mourn. You know, you hear a lot of people say this, a lot of conservatives, you know, we just got to trust the system. And it may not just be conservatives, just trust the system. This is what the founders did. And I'm not knocking what the founders did at all. I think they were brilliant men. They they were unique. I mean, they experienced tyranny and they the the United States was very unique in being a republic at that time, coming forth, establishing a republic that was very different from most of the nations in the world at that time. But I think what it comes down to is when you have bad leaders, it actually doesn't matter what type of government you have. It is going to slowly corrode. And now the the only thing that is kind of the positive thing that's good about our, our kind of the, the system, you know, I put that in quotations, um, is you have multiple actors in the system. And so we have some actors that are good. We have a we have a greater potential for better actors, but we also have a lot of bad actors too. And you know, I think I think that's part of why the system is, is toxic. We have we have bad ideas against good ideas. We have really a small majority of good leaders uh, fighting really bad leaders, uh, and we're kind of we're kind of in that civil war. It's really easy to get, you know, it's really easy for politics to become entertainment as well. Sure. But, um, and do you have any other thoughts about that or? Really what the focus has to be is that the church has to rise up and say, hey, we are the governmental center of the universe. 
we sit in the seat with Jesus, according mm-hmm. to Ephesians 2, 6. And in this place, we make decrees, we pray, and we declare, God, bring bring righteousness, bring justice on the earth as it is in heaven. And we do that through servanthood. We do that through humility. We do that through discussing. We do that through debate. We do that through all of these different things that God has given us. You know, the, the mouth, the ability to communicate, um, our hands, our feet, where we put our money, where we what we buy, what we invest in. All of those different things are going to dictate what what we're about as believers. Um, and and what's happened though is that most people do not see that as the focus. They see, well, I'm a Republican, you know, I'm a Tea Party activist, or I'm a Democrat, or I'm for saving the the planet. Whatever their thing is, it has to be a reshifting and a refocusing on the kingdom of God and how important and how valuable that is. Um, if the church was more focused on the king and his kingdom and his values and not focused on partisan politics, uh, debates and shouting matches or, um, you know, intellectual shaming contests. If that wasn't the focus, which can be very entertaining, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think yeah, it's it is. It, it can. I mean, <laughs> I, I will say though, like I think when we look at the last election, I, and I look at the, a number of different conservative commentators. I do think they took that too far. I mean, I can list. I can. I can list a number of them. I mean, whether it's Tucker Carlson or Dave Rubin or uh, Shapiro, they they really got into this whole thing where they were just like, I, I understand. I understand they were just mocking and making fun of a lot of people on the left. I, I get it. I mean, because some of it is so, some of the ideas is, are so absurd. What else can you do? And, you know, that's not really, I, th- I think from a, a kingdom of God perspective, that's not really going to work. And right. I think that might be a reason. I know people analyze these things. I mean, I'm not, me and you're not political commentaries. We don't analyze all this stuff every day, but I think it might be, a fair statement to say that that might be a reason why we didn't, you know, they didn't have the red wave. You know, we they did win the house. The Republicans won the house, but the Senate is still going to be split, you know, so, but we didn't get as many seats in the, in the Republican or the Republicans didn't get as many seats in the house as they anticipated. And so I look, I look back at that and said, so did we just spend, did so many of these conservatives just spend so much time just making fun of people? Yes. It's entertaining. You know, and once again, some of the the ideas are so absurd. It's like you know, how, how what can you what can you do? It's it's hard not to to just make fun of it and laugh. But um, I was going to move into this First Samuel chapter eight. Yeah. But do you have anything else to say before I read that? Well, I mean, just to just to add what you're what you're talking about. If the body of Christ was proclaiming a message that was relevant to the culture of what was going on and not being simply sarcastic about the issues, but calling people to change, calling people to change mm-hmm. their mind, change change the way that they're, they're spending their time, spending their money, uh, the way that they're relating to everybody else, then our light would be shining and people would be coming to the irresistible love, love of God uh, being manifested in, in the church. And, and so that, that's really where the repentance has to be or the focus has to be. It's like, okay, politics are saying what they're saying, but what is the church saying? And when is the last time that the politicians 
were like actually wondering, actually listening in on John the Baptist, you know, a modern day John the Baptist. Well, talking. Yeah, the, the, the religious authorities did not go to listen to John the Baptist. And I guess actually the Roman authorities yeah. did too as well. well. They were they were paying attention. They were paying attention. So there's something <clears throat> there's something that's that's missing in in our current focus as a, uh, as the people of God in politics who's influencing who so i think you know i think this goes back to that prophetic influence as well i mean when you go back to the old testament this is this is like one of the primary things the prophets did is they called out the leaders for their corruption for the injustice i think the church on certain issues i mean i think on abortion obviously we got a victory i think we have done that uh, we did that pretty well. We 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 didn't just argue that it's wrong, it's immoral, you know, you know, because the accusation is we don't care about women, which is actually the opposite. I don't know most pro-life organizations. There there might be some out there, but the ones that I'm familiar with, most of them care about the women. They'll they'll help bring support to these women if they choose to have the child. So there's there's actually it's not just a persuasion or a condemnation. Um, it's it's a persuasion to keep the child and hey we're gonna we're we're still here with you we're gonna help you a, lo- a lot of them are like that yeah. um, but let me let me read First Samuel chapter eight and this is um, this is when Israel asked for a king all right this is what it says it says uh, you know Samuel Samuel grew old and he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba, but his sons did not follow his ways, uh, which is kind of similar to what happened to Eli. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So we, we have some leaders in Israel who are corrupt. So all of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel, and they said to him, hey, you're old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. You know, and the first thing I would kind of point out is this actually seems kind of logical. You got bad leaders. We need some change. I guess what I would say, uh, but we, we see, though, there's something more to it as we read on. It says, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, it says this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all the people, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. I think, you know, as I think about this scripture, I think, you know, on one hand, yes, they had corrupt leaders. Instead of going to Samuel and saying, hey, I, your, your sons are bad. Things need to change. You know, let's pray and see what the Lord says. This really kind of wasn't, it's like, we want, we want to be like the other nations. We just want a king. Give us, that's actually what it is. Give us a king. You know, and on one hand, it looks logical, but this, the, the fact that, you know, it says that they rejected the Lord, this goes to, to the heart of what was in the heart of the people. And he goes on and he says, you know, as, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, they're doing the same to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly. <clears throat> but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his right. <clears throat> and what happens is later on, Samuel goes and he warns them. 
this is what your, you know, your king is going to do. He's going to, he goes on, it says, he said, the king will reign over you and claim his rights. Uh, he will make your son serve uh, with his chariots and horses. He will assign some of them to be camp commanders. People will plow and they will reap and make weapons of war. He will take daughters to be like bakers and make perfumes. He will take your fields and your vineyards and your groves. He will take a tenth of your grain, your male and servants, and the best of your cattle, <clears throat> and the donkeys he will use. And then it says this in verse 17. This is interesting. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become slaves. An interesting point here. So <clears throat> God delivered them from slavery, and <clears throat> they had the condition of the covenant. If they would just obey the terms of the covenant, God would be their king and fight for them. And we see through the, the biblical story, they don't really do that. But it is, in this story, they have corrupt leaders. They're like, give us a king. Samuel, or the Lord says to Samuel, they've rejected me. It's not you they've rejected. And he warns them that, hey, you're going to be slaves to the king, which is the very thing God delivered them from. And then... You know, he goes on and it says that they said, well, we still want a king after he tells them this. And as I think about this, I think like, you know, first of all, as God's people, you know, we have to remember we have a king. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's his name is Jesus. He's the king of kings. He is king over all the kings of the earth. And we have a kingdom. And that kingdom is greater than any other political system that exists on earth. <clears throat> we do have to work with the political systems that we live in. And, you know, I, I believe as you and it's in America or whatever country you live in, you should participate as much as you can. You know, in some of these last elections, um, <clears throat> there were like, it came down to like hundreds of votes of one candidate winning. So I think that says your vote does count. I mean, because there is a, you know, people say, well, my vote doesn't count. Well, actually it does in some places. We we can do more. God does call some people to the political realm to as a to work and to serve in that arena. And yeah. we want to we want to we want to pray for those people. We want to support those people. <clears throat> but we just want to remember who our king is. We have a kingdom and we're here to spread that kingdom. Okay. And it is spread in a different way than how governments and kingdoms of this world, including America, how we spread their kingdom. It's actually, they're, they're actually opposed in the many, many ways we do that. You know, we, the, the kingdoms of this world usually expand their kingdom through political power force. Many have done that through violence. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, we don't do that in the kingdom of God. We do that proclaiming the message, but we do it through love and kindness and, and, and loving God and loving others. Do you have any thoughts about that or that scripture? I mean, the constitution of the kingdom of God as, as taught by Jesus <clears throat> in Matthew 5 through 7. In there, he's saying, love, love, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Be perfect or have the world, a city on a hill, be the salt of the earth, bring flavor uh, to the world. And that's only possible if we do uh, what, what, what God is inviting us to, what he invited Abram to do. 
to get out of our country's system in spiritually speaking, to get out of our family, to get out of the generational constraints, even from your fathers and join with God and go into a maturing process of discovering how can I be a blessing in, in my context, how the best you're going to be, if you're called to politics, you're going to be the best politi politician ever. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be helping. You're going to be making sense. Things are going to be happening. You're going to be useful, but it really starts from a, from a, from an individual level of coming out of these things uh, uh, and coming into, to what he has and what he, what he describes within, within the scripture. Can I, can I really uh, go the extra mile? Can I really make a decision? You know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to make a difference uh, despite the race of the people that I'm dealing with, despite the fact that, you know, in my personal, I grew up watching World War II movies, man. The Germans were bad. They were the Krauts, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and, and they were keeping all of our, you know, guys in prison camps and they killed 6 million Jews, you know, like all this thing, the, these realities are happening. And I have to be like, you know what? God loves these people. And just as God set me free from my pride, from my doubt, from my sin, my unbelief, he has the same hope for them, regardless of their history, regardless of their past, um, regardless of, of if my you know father-in-law says, yeah, it was not that many Jews that were killed. It was only 100,000, <laughs> not too bad. Wow. Like, like that's, the, that's the time where you really start to see, am I really a citizen of a kingdom that's not of this world? Um, how do I engage now with with these kinds of people? What kind of hope do I have to have to to give to them? Um, am I in love or am I just bitter and so stuck up to think that, hey, I know it all. I I'm superior. I'm exceptional because I'm a part of the most exceptional country in the entire yeah, God, yeah, you know, yeah, planet, yeah. whatever, you know, it, and, and, and this is this is really important. And that can even go like, well, you know, this is the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Okay, we can even talk about that in the reference of freedom, you know, well, American freedom. And I think the point is here is American freedom is not the greatest freedom in the world. It's only the freedom that Jesus gives. That freedom transcends Amen. and transforms you and gives you freedom no matter what country, even if it's China or Iran whatever situation or circumstance you find yourself in that the freedom that Jesus gives is supernatural and it changes you and it's greater. Now, does God care about, you know, you know, civil or political freedom? I believe he does, but it's the whole, you know, the point of the, the story of the Exodus ends up being a metaphor. I mean, they were slaves, God cared enough to deliver them, but the real, you know, the real thing that keeps us in prison is our own sin you know, the powers of darkness. And that's where Jesus came in. He came to set us free from these so we could bear fruit and we could be a light and we could, you know, tell people about this freedom that's really greater than any type of freedom there is on earth. Yeah. And when we put our focus on anything else, uh, we become a slave to that focus. And, uh, 
There's yeah. no other. Yeah, we just like in your example in First First Samuel eight. Well, yeah, we don't want to be a slave to. Yeah. I mean, I, I admit I've never voted. I've only voted Republican my whole life, but I'm not. I'm not a slave to the Republican Party. Okay, that's just how I vote because when I as I read the scriptures, I think that's. I mean, that seems like the best choice to me. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not a I'm not a political ambassador. I'm an ambassador for Christ. The Republican Party is not going to change America. I mean, not transform America anyway. They they may make some changes for good or for bad. <clears throat> Do you have any more thoughts? And I was going to read Romans chapter thirteen. This is what it says. So it says, "Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established." The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, for the, but, those, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are the servants, God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay your taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue, respect, respect, honor, honor. So as we're talking about politics, you know, one of the things that many believers and church find themselves, I think this it's probably been discussed by a lot of people, but especially through COVID. It's like, but it's not just limited to COVID. It's like, where, where, when do we obey the government or when do we not obey the government? And I found, you know, personally, I can think of a few people that when COVID first came out, they thought about this scripture. And well, if they're not saying anything that's directly against the Bible, uh, then, you know, we should obey them. However, they were telling us not to meet, you know, they pretty much deemed churches as, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I can't remember the right word, but, um, super spreader events. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super spreader, uh, not an essential service. I think that was what they said. And, uh, but a liquor store could stay open in some parts, you know, that's an essential service. Uh, people got to get their, their liquor. Uh, I can, I can understand. brothels. Li- yeah, here. yeah. Looking looking back, I can understand initially why people because we didn't really know nobody knew what was going on. Is this thing real or not real? Um, and everything became kind of divided. And you you know, you had people just like you know shutting down, and they would use this scripture. So I mean, I just want to talk about it, and I'll get my thought on it. I think one of the problems is, and this can apply to any scripture, is sometimes sometimes people interpret scripture in the most strictest sense. And I think Paul's point here is, okay, you want to respect those in authority, but I think he's really talking about if you're doing something bad, 
then because he, he says he says that he says if you want to be free from fear do what's right and i don't think so i think that's in the sense you're doing something wrong and let's clarify what's wrong okay uh you know murder stealing uh you know the, the ten commandments would be a good example okay um because one of the things i heard so many people that annoyed me to death is like if you don't wear a mask, you know, we, well, the reason we want to merit, wear a mask is because we want to love our neighbor. We want to get the jab or the vaccine because we want to love our neighbor, blah, blah, blah. When I heard these these comments, it annoyed me because I'm like, you know, there's so much in the Bible about loving your neighbor, nothing about wearing a mask or taking a vaccine. You know, and the people who are pushing this and, and the people and many times even, um, even, even the conservatives or good Christians I mean, let's be honest. Are we really loving our neighbor? <laughs> I mean, are we really like? Do we, do we think it comes down to wearing a mask? It's not. It's it's, it's much greater than that. And sure. just give me some of your your thoughts about that, because I think that that you know, when we look at the scripture. We have some other examples that say there are time. You know, there are times that we should just you know obey God, or uh, we should resist. Three. Very good examples would be found in Daniel. You had Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that were commanded mm -hmm. to bow down, and, and when the music plays, to bow down before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had built. They refused um, mm -hmm. because this broke a, a a value in the kingdom of God that they were that they adhered to with all of their hearts. So as a result, they they received the punishment of being thrown into the fire and you know god came and saved them god kept them from this and this was a wonder this was a sign that was a testimony so they they would rather die than break the commandments of god and do unrighteousness so um so that was an example then daniel goes on and he uh you know is successful there's jealousy in the ranks they you know go to the king and say hey, we want to make a decree that nobody can worship anything or anybody pray to any god but you for for this period of time they make it in full knowledge but he does it anyway and he opens the window and he doesn't you know publicly he doesn't hide anything he prays because he's he's going to do what's right um, regardless of what uh, a, a king's edict says otherwise in these terms. Now, applying that to the decisions that pastors had to make uh, throughout the world in this last um, pandemic, they were mandated not to meet, not to gather, to be two, two, uh, six feet apart, the, you know, two meters over here, to be, um, you know, to not be able, we had a singing we had a, a forbidden uh, singing law. We weren't even allowed to sing in church mm. here. Uh, mandatory masks um, and 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 so forth. Uh, you had to register who was coming to your oh, wow. church and Jeez. sign and sign your name, address, and everything if you ever came into any kind of gathering. All of these kinds of restrictions that were happening over here, uh, pastors had to to either conform or to say this is violating kingdom commands and principles that nobody, nobody has a right to, to, uh, to keep 
uh, us from, from doing so. And that would be assembling, uh, coming together. That would be uh, laying hands on the sick and praying for them, hugging them, giving them a holy kiss, you know, if that's your thing. Um, some communities are warmer than others. Um, those all Italians those... like the holy kisses, I think. <laughs> they really do. And uh, so so those those things uh, the pastors had to decide, leaders had to decide less trouble and less uh, less pushback if you just kind of conform and you go according to the to the to the other the other way um but you lose a lot people get depressed people don't have contact people aren't getting healed people aren't getting baptized because you know that's definitely breaking distance rules social distance rules uh people aren't going to be coming together and gathering in a holy convocation praising god and worshiping him because singing is forbidden you know and those (laughs) higher ups said that's not okay um, so all of those, those things, we have to do what's right. And I think that's a, the heavy emphasis in Romans 13 for it's, it's, we, we need to do what's right. We need to walk in righteousness and bring that fruit forward. And we've had many testimonies just being here of, of, um, people that, that, that were going to kill themselves, but they didn't because we were present. We were, we were present during this time. And, uh, and we, we had so many so amazing testimonies in that COVID season, we saw more people baptized, wow. filled with the Holy spirit mm. saved than, than we have ever seen in the previous years. And so I, I think that that's, um, that's a testimony, just like Meshad Shatter and Abednego, they had a testimony for stepping out and doing what was right, even though the government was uh, obviously against them. And Daniel, man, did he have um, the respect and the honor um, as as the Lord sent those angels to shut the mouths of the lions? Uh, it, it's and more of those things are happening, and we could we could say for you know uh, the you know Sean Foyt and what he's been doing with with mm-hmm. Let Us Worship and all of the other courageous men uh, and women of God all throughout the the, uh, the earth. They're, they're, they're not walking in a rebellious spirit. They're walking in a bold spirit, holding up a higher ideal than the, the rules and dictates of our governments. They're mm-hmm. saying King Jesus has the Trump card on every politician, um, to, to use that term. Um, yeah. So the real, real Trump card, you know, Jesus, not, not anybody else. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, we have we have to remember he is the king and that he sits at the right hand of the father, the most powerful position in all of the universe, and he is fighting for his people. And um, I think you saw uh, in most cases that people who put up some resistance some, to these crazy rules, they they did actually prosper. OK, regardless of whatever their motives were, whether their motives were, to, you know, stick it to the man, you know, to kind of be a hero, or they were just doing it. They felt like this is the, you know, the wisdom of God. This is, the, you know, we have to meet, you know, this is, you know, it's going to kill our community. And that's so true. So many people face suicide, all kind of addictions or went back to addictions. And this was just an, uh, an, un- you know, a consequence of the the crazy rules. You know, it's not that we're, we're rebels. I don't think that's, you know, we're not out to be rebels, but, in some sense, we are, we, for a good reason, we're resistors. You know what I'm saying? We resist, we resist these things, 
not because we do it because of we have a king. We have a greater king, and he he's the one that's that's a control. And that sometimes could mean, you know, facing, you know, suffering like some people, some believers do in some countries right now. They do face, they, they go to prison, maybe they're martyred because they do, they do have that boldness to say yes to Jesus and, you know, they face the consequences. But we we have, you know, there's, I've heard so many stories though where God has delivered these people, not every one of them, but even if they're not delivered and they, they die, they they go to heaven. I mean, that's where we the the power of death has been broken through the cross, and we are not to be we're not slaves to the fear of death anymore. And I think that when I when I look back at COVID, I see a, a I look at friends, I look at different people, I look at myself. You know, in some ways we were we were slaves to that fear of death. I I would I can say this I can I was against the lockdowns and all these stupid restrictions you know stupid rules, so I can say I can told you so because none of it um, none of it worked none, it hurt the economy it hurt in more ways than it helped the reality is it's it, it we are not it comes down we're not slaves to the fear of death so we don't have to be afraid. You know, it doesn't mean we don't have wisdom or take precautions. And also, I mean, let's let's think about it. You know, when we look at the virus, okay, was was it real? But it wasn't the black plague. If people were dropping like flies, I think, yeah, most people would have locked down. I mean, we would have stayed in our homes. But that's not really what happened. Yeah. I mean, just to touch to just to touch on the 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 character of 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 Jesus and his kingdom and his saints. You know, going back to Daniel, Daniel experienced all those things, but his heart was so devoted to leading these pagan, you know, to helping serve these pagan Mm -hmm. kings. When Nebuchadnezzar received the prophecy that he would be crawling around like a beast, you know, and that this judgment was going to come upon him, Daniel recoiled in in sadness. No, let it not be to my king. Let it not happen to my king. So if, if our heart postures are no i can't not assemble during this time i cannot uh pray for the sick baptize people be available to the hurting and the broken i can't i can't do that but i will continue to pray for my my leaders i will continue to pray for those who are in authority that there would be repentance there would be a, a, a clarity there would be a visitation from heaven to them to show them uh, the right way and to make the right decisions. That's the heart posture of the kingdom of God and and what we are calling created to to embody and live. Um, you know, God is selfless love. That's what He is, and and that's what our that's what our King is desiring. That's what the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to do in us is that we would be transformed into that selfless love um you know that that reality that person jesus and um so i think that's a really important focus to have wherever you lie on your your, the opinions of ordinance um god's looking at uh the heart how are we handling this um and are we handling this in love and of course he wants us to love truth and hate 
uh, terrible ideas and dumb ideas. He doesn't yeah. want us to be like, I love stupid. Oh man, yeah. stupid is amazing. I love it. You know, yeah, no, love, love actually rejoices in the truth. And it, yeah. it does it doesn't rejoice in in sin or, or lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me exactly. let me just uh I'll read one last scripture and we'll kind of start wrapping it up. So this is in first Timothy chapter two. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that you can live a peaceful and quiet life marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. My thoughts on that is, I mean, I can just say, honestly, you know, probably don't do this really enough personally, it's also easy to fall into the trap of praying for certain people you like and praying against certain people you don't like. And I think to be fair, when there are people that are really bad, okay, I, I think it's okay to say, you know, Lord, <laughs> this person is bad. You know, they have really bad ideas. You know, please, please stop them. I think that's a fair thing to say. Now, I think it comes down to the attitude of our heart though do we have love are we doing that out of love are we just doing that out of uh spite or hatred you know he he says that he wants us to pray for these people in authority and i mean we go back to the roman empire i mean look at some of those leaders that were horrible i mean they're way horrible more horrible than the leaders we have today and he says it so we can have peaceful quiet lives this pleases god and it says who wants everyone to be saved and come to the understanding of the truth so so there seems to be a connection that if we pray for our leaders and we make the choice not to do this out of a place of uh, hate, especially to those who are opposition to our ideas, that you know God will hear our prayers. I, w- I will say, I mean, we we have some examples where sometimes that doesn't happen, but either either way, this is what God wants us. He wants us to have peace, peaceful, quiet lives, and this helps the flourishing of the gospel. And what are your thoughts on some of that? Um, I, you know, when we think about peaceful, peaceful, uh, that word peace is to be in shalom, the Hebrew word. So it means to prosper, that we'd be blessed. We'd walk in mm-hmm. blessing. We'd walk in prosperity. That's multiplying. That's increasing. Um, you know, in this scripture, um, I would, you know, just, I've been always encouraged to pray for leaders, you know, and as I pray, I'd, I'd ask the Lord, God, I want to be more effective in this. And I never forget him telling me, have you ever thought about praying for those who are in authority in my church? Pray for the pastors, pray for the leaders, pray for the spiritual influencers that I've called out of the, 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 the world and brought into my kingdom. Pray for them to be effectual, fervent, strong, bold, audacious. Pray for them to walk in a spirit of revelation, to, to walk in prophecy, to, to be influencers that would change people. And, and so I've, I've been seeing this and going, man, if we are truly the highest kingdom, the highest governmental um, you know, center that, that really mandates God's kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven, I don't think we're praying and focusing on the right leaders all the time. 
It's a good point. I think we're unhealthily putting, putting, you know, kings and presidents and this senator and this congressman on these high pedestals and praying for them when, when we could actually be recognizing men and women of God that have been called uh, as apostles, called as prophets, called as evangelists, pastors, teachers, called as people of God to lead the, the, the people of God into victory, which means more souls, the advancement of the kingdom of heaven, like the Great Commission, where, where nations are being discipled, people are being healed like never before, people are getting delivered of demons, delivered of things, people are being saved, really truly saved, and being baptized, born again, transformed. And, and that is, um, that's, that's what we want to see you know we want to have that focus and that 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 heart to see and and of course you know that would be great if if we can maybe think a little bit outside of the box from the context of 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 politics um in that sense i think that's a good point and it reminds me of a few different scriptures i mean jesus said you know hey that they would know us by our love and he exhorts us in other places in his epistles you know to pray for one another and it says to encourage one another and exhort one another. So that actually gets to a different issue. I mean, like it, it gets down to the culture of the church. And what is our culture within the church? Are we a culture that that is really, are we, are we praying for one another? As you said, are we praying for our leaders? Are we encouraging one another? Are we exhorting one another? Are, are we really trying, living in that community... Okay, because, you know, kind of going back, let's kind of let's try to sum up some of the things we've said, because you you talked about we're a part of a different family. You know, we have a different identity. And so our our first connection and first priority and passion should be with the body of Christ, you know, and Jesus. And then we have our uh, national identity. And but that comes out of our identity as a, not just being born again, but being a part of the body and that we're a part of this people. We're a people that God was looking for a people that would worship him and that he would love. I mean, he called the children of Israel, children of Israel, his beloved. He's or his, he said, you know, if you, if you obey my commands, you'll be my treasured possession. We have that same privilege as the body of Christ. No one has that. You know, America doesn't have that. We're not, America is not God's treasured possession. Only the, the believers are. He didn't pledge to fight for America or any other nation other than Israel. That's the only nation he has an actual covenant with, an eternal covenant with through the scriptures is Israel. He's promised to fight for us. You know, remember, he's, he's our king. We want, we, we want to be involved politically as much as we can, but we don't want it to be our primary focus. We don't want it to be our primary passion because, you know, we're, we're called to spread a kingdom that's greater that one day will, you know, it, it lasts forever. It's greater than any kingdom on earth. What are you, what are your closing thoughts? The, the closing thoughts I have would be that every single one of us needs to come to an individual decision, a crossroads, if you will. Will I accept the invitation to come out of my country, to come out of my family, to come out of the culture of my my relatives, and go into the land, the inheritance that God has for me in the kingdom of God. 
am I going to do that? Am I going to take that? Because if I do, if we do make that decision and we confess that with our mouth and we live that with our lives, the promise is unfailing. We will be great. We will see God becoming great. We as a corporate will be great, but we're also going to be really blessed and we will be a blessing. Um, and that's, and that's really what God is inviting us all into. Um, and, and that will help us to be a blessing in whatever, whatever we're called to business world, politics, family, every, everywhere we're called. Um, but it, it happens here in the heart for us as individuals. Are we going to get out of those things and, and repent, um, and follow Jesus, you know? Yep. Follow, follow Jesus. Yep. Really yep. simple. Uh, it sounds simple, <laughs> um, but we have to be very intentional with that. So I think that's going to wrap it up. Zach, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope you were encouraged. Your feedback is very much welcome. You can reach me at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com. And I hope you have a great day.